Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this second episode in our Through the Noise podcast mini-series, where we discuss our Q2 global market outlook, staying safe. Today, we're going to explore the outlook for the global economy, focusing on the US, Europe, and where we see a heightened risk of recession, and also China, which we believe is in a very different stage of the economic cycle. To do this, I'm joined by Rajat Bhattacharya, who leads our economics team within the CIO office. So let's get straight into it, Rajat. I guess we started the year anticipating uh, you know, that a recession was um, the, the central scenario in both the US and Europe, whereas we saw a, a turnaround in China. Um, as we enter the second quarter, how's the outlook evolved since then? Hi, Steve. Uh, the one clear insight we get from the data in the econo- is the economic outlook for the US, Europe, and China have diverged further over the past few months. We now believe the risk of a US recession has risen as the outlook has been clouded by a likely further tightening of lending conditions following the liquidity stresses uh, faced by smaller US banks, which is all over the news uh, lately. Our global investment committee assigns an 80% probability of a US recession over the next 12 months. Given this, we expect the Fed to end its aggressive rate hiking cycle after another 25 basis points of hike in the second quarter, and then cut rates, I repeat, cut rates by 50 basis points in the second half of the year as it shifts its focus from subduing inflation to supporting growth and jobs. So the, whereas the euro area economy has fared better than anticipated because of an unusually mild winter, hence we see mo- more modest 60% probability of a euro area recession in the next 12 months. Uh, uh, so that compares with the 80% probability of US recession. The region faces, and this is the euro area region, faces a more persistent inflation problem than the US. Hence, we see the ECB delivering another 50 basis points of rate hikes. So another 50 basis points of rate hikes to take the deposit rate to 3.5% and holding it there for the rest of the year. Meanwhile, China is at the other end of the global economic cycle. Their consumption, fixed asset investment, and the distressed property sector are showing signs of recovery as economic activity gradually normalizes following late last year's reopening. We expect policymakers there to sustain monetary and modest fiscal measures to revive growth above their 5% target set for this year. Okay, so let's unpack that a little bit more in more detail. So let's start with the US. So you say that various indicators are pointing to a rising risk of a recession. Can you elaborate on this further? Sure. The US economic outlook has deteriorated since we published our outlook 2023 in December last year. Most of our US recession indicators, except for the two market-based gauges, which is the equity markets and the credit markets, are now flashing warning signals that a recession is coming. The latest to turn bearish are the two early job market indicators. Payrolls for temporary workers and initial jobless claims have both started to contract year on year. As you know, companies first stop hiring temporary workers as the outlook deteriorates, making it this an early warning signal. Meanwhile, 
A year-on-year rise in initial jobless claims shows the employment cycle is turning decisively. The U.S. unemployment rate is still below uh, the level a year ago, but as we know, this is a lagging indicator, which is likely to rise in the coming months as hiring slows and job cuts so far concentrated in the technology and financial services sector broaden. The level of job openings is the other indicator to watch closely. They have come off their record high levels hit last year, but still remained uh, you know, elevated compared with the pre-pandemic levels. Yeah, I guess that's a, a really big change, um, you know, because at the, at the end of last year, the labor market looked really strong. Now it's starting to crack. What about the indicators outside of the labor market? Yeah, the other leading indicators, such as those for the manufacturing sector and consumer uh, confidence, the new orders to inventories ratio and the spread between long and short term interest rates have been signaling a recession since last year. We've talked about this, you know, even uh, over the last few months. A segment of the U.S. bond deal curve that the Fed Chair uh, Jerome Powell believes is the best indicator of a coming recession has fallen to a record low, below the levels just before the 2000 and 2008 recessions. Meanwhile, U.S. money supply is contracting on a year-on-year basis for the first time on record as banks tighten lending conditions even before the current turmoil hit the small banks. Now, all these uh, recessionary signals notwithstanding, the Fed faces a policy dilemma because inflation is running above 5% and it remains well above, significantly above its uh, the Fed's 2% target. Service sector inflation is the main driver of the latest bottle of inflation, as we've been uh, reporting for, for, for a while, uh, as demand for services remains robust. Consumers bolstered by a still resilient job market and over $1 trillion of excess savings from the pandemic continue to spend. Given this, we expect the Fed to hike rates by another 25 basis points uh, to a peak uh, rate of around 5.25% to cool the job market and reduce service sector wage pressures. With U.S. rates already restrictive uh, now, we expect the job market to tip over along with consumption sometime in the second half of the year as the ongoing uh, liquidity crunch among small banks leads to a further tightening of lending commission, uh, conditions in the coming months. As the unemployment rate rises to in the second half, we expect the Fed policy to finally pivot. So we are expecting uh, uh, 50 basis points of rate cuts in the second half of the year to end the year at 4.5%. Okay, um, so let's talk a little bit about Europe. So you're saying that the probability of recession um, there was lower than the US. Um, so can you give us some more details on that? Sure. The euro area does have similar challenges, I must say, to that in the US, as, as in growth there is slowing sharply as well. The main difference is that Europe faces a more persistent inflation problem compared with the US. Euro area core inflation at 5.6%, I repeat, 5.6% has been accelerating, unlike in the US, where inflation peaked last year, if you remember. While gas prices in Europe are likely to significantly fall on a year-on-year basis in the coming months because of the base effects from the Ukraine war, or as the, you know, the base effects from the Ukraine war fades, Europe's industries and households face structurally higher energy costs as long as Russian gas supplies remain cut off. Meanwhile, like the US, euro area service sector activity and inflation remain robust 
as the job market remains strong there as well, even though the manufacturing sector has been contracting since last year. Given the ECB's sole mandate of keeping inflation within its 2% target, we expect the central bank to continue hiking rates to a peak of 3.5% by June and keep it there till the end of the year. So now this that's dif- the difference between the, the Fed and the ECB. Fed, we said we expect a 50% basis points rate cut in the second half. In EC- uh, for ECB, we expect them to hold on, hold that rate for the second half. The broader impact of the turmoil at Credit Suisse leading to the government-managed takeover by UBS needs to be closely watched. Further tightening of bank lending conditions would raise the chance of a euro-area recession and an ECB rate pause. Okay, let's move closer to home um, and and to China. Um, So you mentioned it's at a very different stage of the economic cycle than the the US or Europe. Um, You know, why is that and what's the outlook? Yeah, that's correct, uh, Steve. Uh, Unlike the US and Europe, China's economy has been showing signs of acceleration this year as economic activity normalizes. Infrastructure investments beat expectations in the first two months of the year. Retail sales are turning around. And even the distressed property sector is showing signs of recovery, with residential property sales rising year on year for the first time since 2021. China's incoming government, the new government that was just elected at the recent National People's Congress, has set a conservative, I should say conservative, 5% growth uh, target for the year. We expect growth to exceed that target with the help of a modest fiscal boost from some of the last year's uh, you know, spillover funds. Meanwhile, PBOC, the central bank there, the cut the bank reserve requirements uh, recently, and this is likely to be followed by more targeted, lend, uh, targeted lending towards strategic sectors of the economy to promote domestic technology and support China's drive towards self-sufficiency. All in all, China's economy seems to be recovering at a steady pace, certainly, I should say, much faster than what we envisaged only six months ago. Okay, thanks. Uh, thanks, Rajat. Um, unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. Um, uh, but thank you for your insights. Uh, as Rajat highlighted, we think the risks of a recession, at least in developed markets, are elevated. And this makes us bullish on bonds, especially high quality bonds. So tomorrow, I will be talking to Abhilash Narayan about this and about which areas of the bond markets he prefers. I look forward to talking to you again uh, tomorrow. In the meantime, happy investing. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.